Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Michelle Berkowitz, your host today of Women Leading the Way, and oh my, do I have a woman leading the way today. I'm delighted that our topic today is about female leadership and construction, and our leading lady today is an amazing woman, Stephanie Roldan, and she is Vice President with Rosenden Electric. So, Stephanie, I want you to say Hello to all of our listeners, and welcome to the show. Uh, hello, and good morning, everyone. I'm really excited to, to join the show this morning. I like that, too. We're coming from Arizona and California to all of our listeners, which is super cool. And we were chatting a little bit about the growth of both of these areas and, like, wow. And you were in the construction industry, so that's what you're all about is growth. Um, I, I love our topic today, Stephanie, because... There's so few women leaders in the construction industry. I know more and more coming about, but can you just share a little bit about your journey in starting out in construction? Because you are a tradeswoman. Um, but can you share a little bit about your journey and how you got to vice president, which is exciting? Yeah, so I actually started in the trade in uh, 1999. I was fresh out of high school. I didn't yet know really what I wanted to do in terms of uh, studying for a career, going to college, and, and I had limited funds. And so one day my uncle sat me down and said, you know, I don't really know that the smartest idea right now is for you to go to college and rack up a bunch of debt and not have a plan for how you're going to pay that back. And so he said, hey, wow. I'm an electrician. Do you, do you maybe want to give construction a try? He's like, here's the great thing about a apprenticeship. He's like, if you go there and it turns out you don't want to do that after you finish it, the worst that's going to have happened is you did five years of schooling, you have a trade and, and something you can do, you know, your whole life, right? Like, if you want to fix the electrical in your house, you'll be able to do that, like, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, hey, why not give it a try? And so I finished my apprenticeship, and I was, at that point, I was only like 23, but I was already earning really good money. And someone mm-hmm. around there, we, we had like a, a recession in Arizona and things sort of slowed down, and I got an opportunity to come in the office. And that changed everything. Uh, I was uh, allowed to do some like early estimating, and, you know, I, I had access to who was that the person, a, a division manager. And he was like, hey, you have an aptitude for this? Have you thought about studying this? And I was like, well, no, but he's like, I think this might be a really good fit for you. And the great part was he kept tabs on me my entire career. And Oh, my gosh. And you know, that, yeah. No, keep going. I got a couple questions for you. My gosh, that's a big hop. I'm just, you know, there's so many people, Stephanie. I'm going to come back to the thing about the, uh, the is it executive vice president that was kind of like keeping tabs on you? The, the division manager. So that's the great part about this division. particular division manager. He actually is now our CEO in the company that I work for today. Oh, wow. 
That's cool. I mean, you know, because so many women don't find great men as mentors. I'm just really curious from your insight, and I'm going to go way back to something you mentioned earlier, but, you know, for this gentleman, do you feel, I mean, he saw your talent. You know, what would you share with other women? Because I hear from women all the time that say, how do I, how do I find a mentor, whether it's a woman or a man, right, in a leadership position, but this one sounded like it happenstance, or do you feel there was, you know, something you did to encourage that mentor relationship, or was this guy just a really good guy and he saw talent in you? I'm, I'm curious how you see it, because what a great gift that was to have a mentor like that. So I, I think it was, I think it was a combination of things. I, I think one, he is definitely just a good guy. Um, I think the other part was the happenstance, which is I was just going about my normal day-to-day learning and trying really hard. And he, he happens to be mm-hmm. somebody who likes to observe by walking around. And he had, he had seen me on a job, and he's, really the first comment was probably something that most of us would find a little bit offhanded, which was he looked at me and said to the person who was managing the crew, he said, are we sure she's 18? And they said, yeah, like, she's graduated high school. All her paperwork checks out. And he said, she just looks really young. Mm -hmm. And they said, she is young, but she's a hard worker. Two good words, right? You're a hard worker. I think that that that's a big important piece. It is. And that I think those two words is what then made him look and say, well, she's a hard worker then we probably need to continue to watch and invest. And I just always made sure I was a hard worker, that I was proving and delivering value, and that people saw me. And that's the other part I think that as women we get a little bit uncomfortable with, which is sometimes spotlighting ourselves. Mm -hmm. And how have you learned to, I mean, some would call it showboating, some would call it, right, you know, being braggadocious, all of that. Like how how do you feel – have you learned how to, you know, self-promote in a way that works for you and that feels professional? I'm just curious because a lot of women really struggle with that in the workplace. I, I self-promote by making sure that individuals I help are willing to share that I help them and I help them improve their results. So in a way, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't even have to do the bragging because people are willing to say, yeah, Stephanie came out and she helped me with X, Y, and Z. And if enough people are just saying your name, then at some point you can stop saying your name for yourself. But here's the other thing I did is I looked around because I am in a male-dominated industry, and I observed how men promoted themselves. Ah. And I and I just watched like did- how. Yeah, like on what to do, right? What is acceptable potentially in this culture? And then I just found the right range that felt comfortable to me. I love that you're saying that. Forgive us, we have a little bit of a a delay together because we're apart. But, you know, it is interesting because one of the things, you know, that I see with men is they they doubt. They kind of interact differently, you know what I mean, in the workplace. And, and again, there's a lot of rules and, and things now that go on with that. But I'm just curious for you, when you saw... How, what they did and how they kind of boasted or self-promoted. It's like, what did you take away from that? I mean, what, how did you decide to, to do that for yourself and make that work? 
Well, the well, so I got on a team very young, where um, my leader was also a very young male. So we're probably nine months apart. We're now friends for going on eighteen years, and mm. he was the one who always said, um, and he would say, "You're being way too humble right now." And I'd go, <laughs> he goes, "Nope, you're being too humble. Like, own it. Say say what happened. Say what you did." And he got me comfortable with this is what I should be doing. And so he let me practice. And as an example, did you learn to speak up in meetings and self-promote? Or, you know, what? give some insight to our listeners into how they can do a little better self-promotion. I mean, you paid attention, you saw what men did, now I'm curious. Then you even got, you know, a wonderful colleague who said you need to be not so humble. You know, what can you share with other women about how they can self-promote a little better? Yeah, so one of the things that I, I think we shouldn't be afraid to do is to clarify that that was our idea that we presented. So I'll sit in a meeting sometimes where I have to speak up for other women when I remember that that was their idea coming out of their mouth. Now, it's been around the table and somehow it's all been adopted by someone and then we all believe that that was like the center of who said it, but it wasn't mm-hmm. that person. And I'll, and I'll say, hey, you remember when so-and-so gave us that idea? And I'm glad that you elaborated on it and that's where we're at, but, you know, I really want to thank her for her thoughts. And I think we need to not be afraid to say, you know, maybe I wasn't clear when I first shared that idea, but but you're now closer to what I was thinking when I, when I first shared that. Oh, that's great. And it's okay that's for great. people to that. get centered back to where it originated from. Well, and I think it, it is paying attention to that. I think, too, it's like women need to, you know, this is my opinion because I've been in board meetings and the same thing. It's like, I, you know, not in a bad way, but one of my, fun, my favorite things is when I run a meeting, I ask a man to take the meeting minutes or the notes. I'm <laughs> just like... You know, it's not going to be assumed that a woman's going to do it, but I love what you're saying is, you know, women having each other's back in a meeting just to bring up and recognize who brought up the idea first. But I think, you know, there's things women can do to be able to be a little more vocal about that kind of thing, you know, it's to just bring it up. And, you know, if somebody doesn't hear them, you know, what do you, what do you recommend a woman to do? Because I'm sure you've been in scenarios like Yeah, I, I would I would say in the so here's the thing is unfortunately and this is well or fortunately I don't know which it is but as you sort of move up the ladder and titles change and and you get a little bit I don't want to say power right but you get a little bit more voice or at least recognition I find it gets mm-hmm. a tad bit easier to be heard right so mm. usually the individuals I find most often struggling are sort of that middle where they've moved into this middle role and there's hundreds of that same role and a a behavior different from sort of the, the mass culture looks and appears and gets judged in a very different way. So for example, when I was in sort of middle management, I picked up a lot of male leadership tendencies. Not that I'm proud of this, right? But in construction, I became a little bit of a screamer, yeller, cusser, (laughs) demeanor, all of those things because it, it seemed like that was what everyone was doing 
to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Now, to some degree, I regret it, but the other question would be, if I hadn't done that, would I have continued to make the path forward? I don't actually know the answer. I think if I can add into that, I mean, there's so much that's also about culture that's in a company, right? I mean, you either try to belong, which is tough in that situation, which um, in banking, I, I had a similar situation, and it's like you either try to belong, and then the question is, it's like, you know, your values versus company values and culture, which I think is a tough thing to manage. I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, the company culture and values that go along with that? I think you made the right decision, honestly, because at the same time you want to belong, but how tough if you're not somebody that wants to use four-letter words? You know, I know there's a lot of do's and don'ts around that in workplaces these days. Yeah, well, so that's that's where sort of my journey and trajectory changed. So probably about Six or eight years ago, I really got heavily into studying lean construction as a, as a potential way to transform our culture here at Rosenden, focused really on mm. continuous improvement and respect for people. And once I got enough visibility to the potential that that could create for the organization in terms of dollars and in terms of retention and engagement of our employees, I was able to help set a different direction for the organization of what, you know, potentially we could be in the future. And right now we're still in our strategic planning for what we want, you know, to look like in 10 years. But inside of that space is when I finally, I'll be honest, got to be the authentic me, where I no longer felt like I had to, to fit in in sort of the old ways that we did but in fact mm-hmm. could stand out a little bit and build a culture that allowed those like me who were just trying to fit in to actually find a way to fit in, but because they were different and not be because they were the same. Ooh, I bet that's powerful. I want you to hang on to that because I want to spend uh, our next part of the show on that, but I'm going to say thank you to one of our sponsors real quickly. Um, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. So, Stephanie, I'm back to you. And I want to talk a lot more about culture and what you were saying is that you're a change maker now. I mean, you got to, you know, the position and the role and the longevity you had. I mean, how are, how are you helping make those changes? What are the first steps that you feel, you know, got implemented or that, you know, you were a part of to see the culture change a little bit at the organization? So I would say the first big step was um, one day I'm speaking to uh, our former vice president of uh, training and quality, and I'm I'm just mentioning, hey, we started this lean journey. We're talking about continuous improvement and respect for people, and our core values say nothing about that. Like, Mm. we don't have anything to lean on that just says behaviorally or, you know, when I walk in the front door, if I, you know, 
practice these core values, it will equal what this organization wants to be in the future. And so she's just having this conversation with the CEO, and he then brings in his executive committee, and they start talking about it a little bit. And within, like, the next year, we've got new core values. And they're now wow. pinned on. Yeah, they're, they're now pinned on, you know, three of them are, you know, very people-focused, and two of them are, are continuous improvement-focused. So, you know, we got we care, we share, we listen, and we've got we innovate and we excel. And a lot of people say, really, we excel is just the the ad is just the result of the first four. Right, I love that. I mean, t- give a few statistics on the on the company. How big are you? How many employees? What kind of statistics can our listeners hear just to know the sheer size of of your organization based in uh, Arizona? It, well, so we're we're a national electrical contractor. So we've got about, you know, 15 office locations. We've got, within our office side, we've got about 1,500 employees. And on our field side, usually anywhere between 4,000 and 7,000, depending on the construction projects we're building, you know, currently hovering around 5,000. So so we're a pretty large organization. We were established in 1919 by the Rosenden family. And in the early 2000s, uh, when they were set to retire, um, they offered to sell the company to the employees. And so we are a 100% employee-owned company. Nice. Oh, the company sounds so wonderful. I, I, you know, I'd love to know for you along the way, you know, what are some of the things, and again, I'm sure there's many, Stephanie, but what are maybe one or two things that you've learned the most about being a leader that suits you, you know, I mean, the authentic leader is now such a big term, you know, because we're taught leadership. Some of us feel comfortable with it. Some of us struggle with it, you know, especially women, right, that we're taught the same leadership insights on how to be an effective leader. And sometimes our male counterparts exhibit the behavior we're supposed to as a leader and they get different results than we do as a, as a woman in business. So I'm curious with you, you know, what are, I guess maybe two things that you felt have really helped you along the way to be an effective and authentic leader. Because you sound like one, which is, it sounds amazing. So I just want all our listeners to know, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, one of the first things that probably I learned when I, when I joined, you know, the, the, this was probably like the second team I joined in the company, is that, and, and this leader was a, a great example of this is that you can actually truly love your employees. Mm -hmm. And I think when you think, when you think about them as human beings and you know, there's like, there's many types of love. There's the love that you'll have for your spouse or your partner. There's the love that you will have for your children. There's the love that you will have for, you know, God or whatever entity you believe in. You you know, there's, there's a, a bunch of ways that you will love in your lifetime. But if you see these individuals as people worthy of your love, you will change how you treat them, what you do for them, and how you believe in them. Wow. Pretty powerful. So that's, I like that's that. Probably the, that's probably the first place that I, I lead through authentically. Because I, I think mm-hmm. about that in, in sort of every action I'm going to take. Sometimes it's tough love. 
<laughs> and sometimes it's more motherly, <laughs> right? Like there's a million ways that love for them can be shown. But in all ways, when, when I'm interacting with them, they already know I'm coming from a place of love and care. Wow. And the second I do, thing that know, I learned. Oh, keep going. Yeah, sorry. Go keep ahead. going. And I was going to say this. And the second part that I learned is other people in this organization, depending on their leader, may or may not get to feel that. And so when I get to interact with them, I'm going to demonstrate it in some way to them too. Awesome. Awesome. I'm curious for you, where do you feel, you know, I mean, gosh, I think so many of us have such stories to tell, you know, when COVID hit and times, you know, in the last couple of years. But one of the, I think, good things or great things actually that's happened is just like you're saying, the workforce and, you know, company culture has really changed in the last two or three years. And I'm curious with you, it's like, what do you see some of the biggest challenges you know, for the construction industry to doing some of the things you're talking about? Like, what do you see that's kind of a mismark? Maybe not in your organization, but I'm sure you interact with other companies that are in the construction industry. What are some of the tough things do you see that are going to be a tough change? So construction was very quickly listed as a uh, essential business. So for the individuals who were turning our tools and still working on our job sites, there was essentially only a small blip of time in which they weren't working. So in some ways that was very helpful because people didn't lose their purpose, right? They still, mm. they still, a part of their identity wasn't lost because they were either trying to refigure how to do the job that they for so long were doing really well. I think that's probably why industries like teaching are really struggling right now and teachers. I mean, they had a, a hard lift in one needing to learn their trade in a, a virtual environment plus you know, the stress of parents, right, also needing to try and figure out how do I, how do I even engage now that I, it's not as simple as just dropping my child off. So some of those industries, it's, it's hard because not only was your work upended, but potentially your identity was upended. So for construction, mm -hmm. when it comes to the worker side, maybe that's not as hard for us to overcome. But what is hard for us to, to overcome is, is sort of this dynamic of, well, we potentially had put you in harm's way because we didn't tell you to stay home and take care of your health. And, I mean, we used a lot, a lot of technology, a lot of safety equipment, everything. We were trying to do everything in our power to do it. But if you think about smaller businesses where that might have been harder, those challenges that they might be facing might be very different from ours. You know, there is right. a discussion about did we potentially lose some of who we were as a culture because now people aren't coming back to the office. And and what I would like us to challenge is if they're not coming back, what about our culture isn't desirable to come back to? What what are mm. we what are we not doing? And you know, I've had a remote team for like a decade. My my trainers are remotely located in the various locations and offices. Our leader has been in one and we've been in others. And so when it came to leveraging things like Teams and Zoom and all of those things, we were very familiar. You know, so so we had that time already to sort of bond. And we did some other things that kept us bonded, like, and that we still continue to do because we just like doing them and we love doing them. And people are like, hey, we want to keep doing it. So, you know. Yeah. 
that's where we are. So it's like, I'm, listen, if it's working, I'm not going to change it. So, you know, we're still having our, our monthly call or our weekly call in where we just ask a funny question and everyone has to answer. And, you know, we're still getting our team get together. Well, now we're getting back to team get togethers where we really talk about our strategies and our successes. So we've always had to use the office sort of as the collaborative remote space for us. It's, it, it was the inverse for us. But what I challenge for those that are saying people aren't going to come into the office, I'm saying, what are we doing in our offices that aren't making this a collaborative space for them? That's not creating the value for them that would make them come in. That's a really good question. I think, think, you know, the answer today is it's not really either or anymore. It's about and, right? I mean, like I'm, we're in the meeting and the event industry. So for us, it's like, we have to be hybrid, right? We do virtual meetings, and we also do in-person again. So, I mean, <clears throat> you're not going to please everybody. We all know that. But I think that's fabulous on how your company has done what it's done. I, I, you know, we've only got a few minutes left, and I'm curious about you and your future. Um, I, I just really would love for you to kind of put that self-promotion hat on a little bit, Stephanie. But what, what does the future hold for you in terms of growth? Like, what are you hoping to do and accomplish and you know, in your role now and where you want to go, if you don't mind sharing. You know, it's interesting because someone else asked me that question. And I, I've only been in my <laughs> new role as vice president for four months. Um, I, I got to tell you, I <laughs> absolutely love my team. In terms of what the future holds for me, I I really hope that when I leave, which, by the way, I've been in construction like, oh, I don't even know. This is going to be like year Twenty-three, I think, right? So, like, I guess we could consider this like "quote unquote" second career. Um, <laughs> but I really just hope I can develop other leaders that can keep this moving forward. So, within our organization, we've only had three female vice presidents in our hundred-year-long history. And what I hope is that that from here moving forward, three forever is the minimum. Like, let's. Let's set that as our minimum, yeah. and we're moving forward, and we're developing enough people that can fill these seats. That, to me, is actually my goal. It's, it's, it's not necessarily me ascending any further or higher, but it is making sure that where I planted my flag, the flag stays. I like that. That's so cool. I mean, it is cool. Everybody, you know, it's like we hit our point, and then, you know, in fact, there's a phrase that's in Arizona that um, a woman who I don't know, but I've heard the term, she has a term called ladder up. And ladder up means help the next one in line, which I think is super awesome, right? Now that we are where we are, I think so many women should just kind of like help the next one in line, you know, make that that I love that it's not just going to be three of them. I do have one final, well, two final questions for you, but one that you brought up in the very beginning. And, you know, it's just such a, it's a conversation. There's an opinion on it right now, Stephanie, and it's, it's women getting into the trade industry. It's like it's just not looked at. I mean, what awesomeness, if I can use that word, that your uncle gave you to consider getting into the electrician trade, right, or the electrical trade industry. And I'm curious for you with other women that are, you know, not – knowing what their future is, it's like thinking that college is the only place or university to go. Like what would you share with, you know, young minds and, and young future leaders right now as women about 
you know, picking a trade industry to be a part of? Because look at you. Like, what would you share with them? I would share not to be afraid. I think what happens potentially is that we look at construction and we know that women who, like, turn the tools only make up, like, one and a half, 1.7. It's, you know, plus or minus their percentage of the total in the Mm. field. And I think what happens is we look around and go, oh, maybe this isn't where I belong. And I would, I would challenge you to say maybe you don't belong or you don't feel like you belong there today, but you belong. That's nice that they and belong. you're right. Just they belong. Yeah, it's they belong. You belong. But, but and I'm going to give our listeners. Up, we can't change it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I do like that because it's like, and there's such an, a wonderful organization um, that I used to be a part of, believe it or not, which was the National Association of Women in Construction. And just, I want to share if any listener. Yeah, exactly. They're very proactive to see women flourish and thrive in the, in the construction fields and the trade industry. So super you. Any last insights you want to give that you can leave our listeners with something inspirational or motivational or just awesome? in your words, because you've been an amazing guest, but what do you want to leave us with? I'm going to put that big question on you. Don't be afraid to go get what you want. And you, that is probably the drop the mic moment. I love that. Don't be afraid to get what you want. And I just want to thank you, Stephanie, for being our guest, my guest today and our leading lady. And to our listeners, I want to thank you for listening in. We are normally here on our show, which is live Monday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific time, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific time. And the exciting news is that we are very quickly growing to a daily show. So, Stephanie, you're part of our growth, and thank you for that. Um, I do want to tell all of our listeners that not only are we here on those days, but when we're done with our show, you can listen on pretty much any subscription service you have, like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, or Apple Podcasts, or iTunes. We are there for you to listen to not only this show, but our past shows. And I just want to say to all of our listeners again, we will see you on the next Women Lead Radio show. And please go out there and, as Stephanie said, you know, have some confidence and go do whatever you want to do. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence the premier private membership organization where life-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.